I'd also like to remind me to turn my mic on today because <laughs> I've got a lot of helpers here. But good morning, all. Um, with Pastor Jeff and his family on vacation, uh, not only this past week, but in the week to come, uh, we're going to take a break from the study of Jacob in Genesis. And I think Jeff will pick that up in another couple of weeks. But in, for this week, uh, you guys have the blessing of another installment of one of Chuck's random sermons. Um, now, one thing that brings me enjoyment is reading a good book. Um, but the trouble with, I find with reading books is that they take time. And I tend to be a person who overschedules himself and am thus always overtired and thus don't have the time to read books that uh, I would like to. So I am less of an avid book reader than I am more of an avid book collector. Um, so I have a stack, probably you know, multiple stacks if you ask my wife, of books that are yo deep that I have every good intention of getting to. Um, just am not really that good at doing it yet, but one day we'll see. Um, but if you are like me, and I saw one hand raised up there saying so, uh, you're in luck today, okay? Because today uh, we are going to read an entire book of the Bible. Um, and I could imagine it may be one that many of you have not read before, and I hope that is the case. Uh, because we are going to look at the book of Haggai. Now, Haggai was an Old Testament prophet. Um, he lived in a time when the nation of Judah uh, had been forced to leave uh, Jerusalem and uh, live in exile in Babylon. This was actually after their return, so forgive me there. He's one of the so-called post-exile prophets. So that includes uh, Zechariah and Malachi. And Haggai's prophecy dates to around 520 B.C. That places him about 18 years after uh, the Jews had first been permitted to return to Jerusalem by Cyrus the Great of Persia, and it predates the second building of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I want you to take a minute and imagine what would it be like if you had to go into exile? What if right now, you know, an enemy army came in here and you had to leave everything that you knew, just the clothes on your back, and leave your home, leave your country, and get forcibly taken away? to another country. And imagine you had to be there for 60 or 70 years. Okay, what do you think would happen to your home, to your neighborhood, to your country after all of those years of neglect? If you're older, like case in point, you probably never come back. You're gonna die in that other country, okay? If you're a teenager, yeah, a couple of them there, You'll probably be a senior citizen by the time you come back, okay? It would be very depressing. For the Jews, you could just imagine, their homes were deteriorated, their fields and orchards were probably all overgrown, the roads dilapidated, the temple had been destroyed by another country, what's left of it's falling apart. Everything that they thought was their identity and their heritage was no longer the way that it was. And as is human nature, when we are under duress, uh, our first focus, as for the Jews then, is about our own survival and our own comfort. This is the world that Haggai lived in. But God had not forgotten them, 
And God speaks to them through Haggai. And the message that he brings to them is one of encouragement for the Jews then, and it's a message of encouragement for us today. God says, I see you. I know what you've gone through, what you're still going through. But I need you to take your eyes off of yourself and to focus on me. Consider your ways. Think about who you are living for today. Don't look back and dwell on the past, but return to me because I am going to do a new thing that is more glorious than ever was before. Why don't we pray before we read God's word? Heavenly Father, uh, we just invite your spirit into this place this morning. We ask that you would speak to us uh, through the power of your word, show us your truth, and change us this day. In Christ's name. Now, you're going to find in your bulletins, uh, there's only a, a section of Haggai. Haggai is two chapters long, uh, but nevertheless, we couldn't fit all of that into the bulletin, so there's only some select sections that are in there. I'm going to read the entirety of the text for you, uh, so you, may, you are free to follow along in your Bible, on your Bible app, uh, or you may just listen. Uh, I'm also going to some Hope Church heresy here, and I'm going to read from my version of the Bible, which is the New American Standard. It's very close to the English Standard Version. So if there's a word or two off there, don't be put off. But hear God's word. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because, my, because of my house which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I called for a drought on the land, on the mountain, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, and what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands." Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, 
and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. That's just chapter one, by the way. Um, God kind of calls them out as he calls us out to be self-aware, to be self-critical, and to consider your ways. God is not blind. He sees all that we do. He saw all that they were doing. He's chastising the Jews here. Okay? Remember now, it's been 18 years since they've come back to their land. They've had time okay, to fix up their homes, okay, to clear and replant their fields, to dig wells, and to rebuild a life for themselves. But where is their acknowledgement and their worship of the Lord? Okay? If we look at verse 4, he says, if I could find it, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Okay? He's talking about their houses being paneled. Okay? Think of your houses today. If we have paneling in our houses, that's like a sign of luxury, right? Imagine what it's like back then. So they have time and money to panel their houses, and God says that his house lies desolate? Desolate means empty. So to me, it sounds like, you know, they're not even using the temple for worship, let alone rebuilding it. In verses 5 and 6, he says, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to, be, to get drunk. You put on clothing, and no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. So they're working hard, but not gaining a lot. Okay? They're probably still discouraged, you know, because discouragement comes easy for us. But you need to remember that sometimes the Lord's will is rugged. He's putting them, he's putting them through a tough time, but he has a purpose. Okay? Consider Abraham, okay? a man of great wealth, probably living in a place of great comfort, and God called him to leave his home, to go to who knows where. Okay. And he left and he went. And what did he find? He found faith. Okay. Consider our missionaries. Okay. There's many of them who you know, live much as we do in cities, but there's many also who, who are bringing God's word to the most primitive of people and living in very primitive conditions. Okay. Why? Because their journey is one of faith. Okay, verse 9 says, You look for much, but behold, it comes too little. And he asked the question, why? Because they are ignoring the Lord. Okay? He says, again, my house lies desolate. In verses 10 through 11, he described all those ways that these earthly blessings are being withheld from them. You know, their, you know, their wine, their cattle, all, all of their, their crops all these ways that their blessings are being withheld. And he tells them why in the beginning of verse 10. He says it's because of you. Okay? Because of the relationship that has been broken between you and me. Okay? And broken relationships, especially with the Lord, lead to mishaps. Okay? Jeremiah 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, 
and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Okay? God's people were stubborn. And God gave them the answer of what they had to do in verse 7. Okay? He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and glorified. And yes, God is talking about them physically rebuilding the temple as they have rebuilt their homes already. But what he's really talking about is rebuilding relationship with him, doing the things that are pleasing to him and that glorify him. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon him. But let's get back to our text and take a look at chapter 2. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now, take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, and take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all you people of the land, take courage, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I shall give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches bread with this fold or cooked food or wine or oil or any other thing, will it become holy? And the priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if one who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priest answered and said, it will become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer is unclean. But now, do consider from this day onward, before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord, from that time when one came to a grain heap of twenty measures, there would be only ten. And when one came to a vat to draw fifty measures, there would be only twenty. I smote you and every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail, yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? Even the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet, 
from this day on, I will bless you. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Good stuff. So God has challenged the people, and they have responded, at least to a point. They made a move to to rebuild the temple, and God asked them again to be self-aware and self-critical and basically tells them, don't look back. Don't sit back in longing for what you perceive as what is lost. Okay, in verse 3, he talks, he asks the people, you know, is there anyone here who remembers the temple? Yeah. Again, this would only be the very youngest who had gone into exile, who came back, who could have remembered what Solomon's temple looked like. Okay. And he asked them, you know, how does it look to you by comparison? You know, does it still look like nothing to you? God tells them to take courage. He reminds them to work, to participate in what God has in store, to move forward with him. Okay? He tells them that he is with them. Okay? Does that remind us of anyone? How often do we quote the Lord Jesus when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? In verse 5, God reminds them that he keeps his promises, that they're still living out the promises as we are today that he made to his people when he delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. In verses 6 and 7, God says that he will shake and stir all of creation in order to bless you when you are in a right relationship with him. He reminds us in verse 8 that everything belongs to him, that his glory is never exhausted, it is ever increasing. And with that, He brings us peace with his presence. So as he reminds not only the Israelites of old of all of these things, but ourselves as well, he encourages both them and us uh, from verses 15 on to return to him. God uses the negative to drive us back to him. He reminds the Israelites of this in verse 15 through the first half of 19, all of these things that leave you in want. You know, you're going to find grain. There's never as much as you want. You're trying to find wine. There's never as much as you want, leaving you longing for more. Okay? God's permissive will permits these things to happen. Okay? Things other than what we want to accomplish. But look at the last half of verse 17. He tells them that despite all of those things, you still haven't returned to me. When that's the first thing that we ought to be doing. Okay? Because when we do so, God tells us in verse 19, yet from this day on, I will bless you. And then we, just like he said to Zerubbabel in verse 23, will be made like a signet ring, like a sign of royalty. For as the Lord of hosts has declared, I have chosen you. Now you may say, come on, Chuck. 
You said in the very beginning that, that Haggai wrote this over 2,500 years ago. Does it really apply to me today? Well, in that case, let me remind you of some of the passages that Tyler wrote, read for us earlier. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, Haggai is one of those, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the world. And again, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he says, For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the words spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So there you go. Now you can check Haggai off your list of your bestseller must-read list. The truth that we know today, God has been declaring from the very beginning. And all that he declares is fulfilled in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the heir and maker of all things, came physically to this earth to fulfill all that Haggai wrote about. To challenge each of us to consider your ways. Are we walking with him? Are we putting God's glory and pleasure before our own? He reminds us that the past is behind us. Whatever hurts we have suffered, whatever regrets we may have, whether of our own doing or not, we need to let them rest in him and don't look back with longing. Jesus calls us to return to him, to return to the Father because he has chosen you. He has greater and a more glorious future plan for each one of us if only we stay focused on him and seek him first. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, for your provision, for your word. Uh, we thank you for the time that you've granted for us today. We pray that your word would touch us and change us now. And as we move forward in this service, Father, to a time of confession, to a time of communion, uh, Father, we pray that you would use these things uh, to also draw us to return to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.